Well, we're, we're continuing in our, our series today on the Sermon on the Mount, and, and I, I really hope you've taken some time to read the Sermon on the Mount. I, I've told you before, it'll take you 12 minutes and 50 seconds. I've done it more than once to read it all the way through, and just at, at a steady pace. But I really hope when you read it, if you read the Bible, one of the things I would encourage you to do is to read it slow. To, to read it slow, to, to honestly, don't, don't be in a hurry. There's times when I get into my, my morning devotion or any devotion during the day that I try to really ramp down. And, and if I'm going to take the time to be there, I want to I be there. And today, as we're, we're talking about the, the series on call, because it is the Sermon on the Mount's about a calling. It's about God calling you to what we often refer to in our staff as higher ground, that God's calling us to higher ground, right? It's not a, a finish line. It's a, it's a higher ground. And today, we're going to talk about the, the fact that we're called to pursue God's presence, okay? We're going to talk about being called and Jesus calling us to pursue God's presence. Specifically, that is about praying. Now, I want to ask you, don't, don't raise your hand because it's probably a unified front here, but have you, do you ever feel or do you ever find yourself, if you were, if you were, if you were being like incredibly transparent, just super honest, and you knew that nobody was going to see it and nobody was going to know do you ever find yourself just a little bit ashamed of how little you pray? Just, just, just a little bit ashamed at how little time you spend with God. Or maybe, maybe you don't feel shame. I hope you don't feel shame. Listen, guilt, God will take guilt. He, God will use guilt to bring you home. Shame is of the devil. Okay? Shame is not from the Heavenly Father. Now, there is Bible talks about guilt that leads to repentance. Guilt, guilt's a good thing at times, God bringing you home. You ever felt like maybe, maybe the reason you struggle to pray more than you do is because sometimes if you were being super, super transparent and you didn't feel like your, your friends at church were going to say, ooh, no good, that's bad, you should. You ever feel like you don't pray sometimes because not a lot happens? Like you... You, you, ever feel like when you, you, you ever feel like when you pray that your prayers are kind of like a kite? You, you, ever, you ever done this on purpose, like when you were a kid, like cut a kite loose or just let it go? Man, just watch that sucker just go up through there, you know? And then your parents are like, I paid $7.12 for that, you know, right? But, but you just watch it float on the wind. I'll never forget. I, I don't have a lot of memories of childhood, and I don't really know why, because I've, I've got great parents now, and I had great parents then. But for whatever reason, I, I just don't have a lot of concrete memories of, I have little bitty blips on the radar, but, you know, but I do remember one specific night, um, I, I looked for a picture. This is the best I could find. You, you ever been, you know how in the fall or in the winter, the sky's really clear? Like even in the daytime, the, the, the blues are bluer. But at night, man, you can see way more stars typically at night in the fall because there's not so much humidity and junk in the air. And I remember this one particular night. I was with my mom and my grandmother, uh, Clara Coleman, Nanny Coleman, and my mom was driving like this, it was some in the 70s, I don't know which year in the 70s, but, uh, but an Astra, it was maroon, a little, little small car, and, and I remember we had gone to some place that I, they had given me a Mickey Mouse balloon. Now, now it, wasn't, it wasn't like one of these three-year deals, it was just a regular round balloon with Mickey on it, and, and, and so I had it in my hand and on a string, and I was, I, at this time I was three, four, five, somewhere in there. 
I don't know. But I remember it was a beautiful night. There was a big full moon. It was the, the sky was lit. And I remember accidentally letting that thing go. And it was the first time I had ever been introduced to the demonic powers of helium. Because, because those are destructive. And, and, uh, and nobody ever told me about the, the cool voice thing yet. But I remember, I remember when, when, when I let it go, I was like, oh, no. And I just, I wasn't crying. I wasn't distraught. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm never getting that back. And, and I remember watching this Mickey Mouse balloon float into the night sky. And it actually turned out to be pretty cool. I was going like, where's this thing going to land? Like, is this going to Japan? You know, this probably more going like to, you know, Cookville or something. Maybe not even that far. Maybe Manchester. But, but, but I, I remember thinking, wow. that's." R-. And then it just kept getting smaller, smaller, smaller. And I stood there forever just watching that thing. And then it just eventually bled into the, to the night sky. Do your, do your prayers feel like that sometimes? That you turn them loose and they go and that's the last you ever hear back. I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine that you could routinely hear from God. Actually, you could routinely, imagine that it's possible that if there is shame, there's no more shame. If, if, if you could routinely hear from God, I want you to imagine that it is entirely possible for you to be going throughout your day with confidence spiritually. That you're, you're going into that board meeting or you're going into that contract negotiation, or, or you're going into that situation where you got to go talk to somebody at school, or you're going into that relationship issue that you're facing with your husband, or maybe your girlfriend, or your boyfriend, that you're about to buy this house, or purchase a car, or up your life insurance, or move an investment, and you could do it knowing that you're following the path and the heart of God. I want you to imagine that for a minute because I want to tell you something that actually is true. So the question is, you know, how do we get there? Now, I'm going to share with you a verse in a second that Jesus talked about, but I want you to, I want you to know right out of the gate, it's not, what I'm going to share with you today isn't prescriptive, meaning it's not one plus one automatically equals two. I don't want to come across like, you know, do this plus that and it's a recipe and you'll get this. It's not what I'm saying. But what I am going to talk to you about is Jesus gave us some foundational principles about gaining the ear of God, to actually gain the ear of God. So let's look at it. Matthew 6, that's where we're going. Sermon on the Mount. So it's the middle of your Bible, closer to the back two-thirds. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew is the first gospel. Matthew was one of Jesus' disciples, and Matthew is recording. He's got the longest record of the Sermon on the Mount. Luke has some of it. But here, Matthew 6, 6, and this is what Jesus, Jesus is talking about praying. He's about to go into the model prayer. We're going to break that down a little bit too over time. But Jesus said, when you pray, verse 6, but you, that, that's important, contrasted to the Pharisees. In fact, you know what let's do? Just, just since we're looking at Matthew 6, 6. Let's go to verse 5, even though it's not on the screen. 
Jesus said, when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, the Pharisees, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. That's it. It's as good as it's going to get for them. God's not going to answer that. They, they got what they wanted. They wanted to be seen. They got seen. They wanted to, you know, you ever... You ever Time out for a second. You, you, ever, you, ever, you ever been around people in church that when they pray, their voice changes? Now, I'm not kidding. Like, you know, you, you know this person and, and, and they talk normal, but when they pray, God, there's like five syllables in God's name. God, uh, you know, beseech thee on behalf of all of thy people. And nobody talks like that. I guarantee you they don't go to Sonic and hit the button and say, I'll have thy number one. They don't do that, right? That's what's going on right here, you know? Hey, I am no theologian, but I am practical, okay? Here we go, verse 6. But you, remember I told you that the Sermon on the Mount is full of comparison and contrast? Jesus said, but you, that is, you're not them. So when you pray, go into your inner room. It's just the opposite. Close your door and pray to your father who's in secret. And your father will see, your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now we're going to stop right there on that one verse. But notice now, by the way, he's not saying that you can only, obviously you get it. He's not saying you can only pray by running into a closet or your master bath and shutting the door or whatever. He's not saying that's the only kind of praying that counts. He's saying get along with God. So when you pray, what's the whole point there? He's saying that when you pray, notice that there's an expectation. Did you catch that? But when you pray, not if you pray, not, you know, if you get around, he's saying when you pray. There is an expectation there. And let me tell you, let me tell you why this matters, you guys. Because the Sermon on the Mount is about a kingdom, a kingdom that is going right now in the spirit world, the heavenlies, the principalities that Paul talked about that Jesus talked about. You just sang songs a minute ago that talked about the authority that one word from you, one word and the the spirit realm has to obey. If that's true and it is true, then there are spiritual forces and spiritual powers in play every day. And you cannot expect victory in those realms and empowerment if you refuse to plug in. You just can't. You, you, you can't, no more so than you could hope your way toward weight loss. Or that you could hope your way toward saving money to buy a vehicle. No. Well, you know, hope's not a strategy in that realm. You actually have to do something. So if there's spiritual forces in play, then we have to plug into the heart of God. And this matters because there are spiritual forces in play. And Jesus spent much of his time talking about principalities. Notice how often Jesus, go just read through the Gospels. Do you notice how often Jesus encountered people with demonic spirits? You know, we just call those people jacked up. We just call those people weird. Or we just, we, you know what? One of my favorite theologians made, a, made a, 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 I think, a profound insight on this. He said, what Jesus often would have called a spiritual issue, we just call mental health. And listen, mental health is a reality. 
It's affected your family, my family, but often, listen, if there are spiritual forces in play, then we've got to get this right. Students, let me ask you, do you guys ever in middle school or high school, do you ever feel, you ever feel if you're kind of being the oddball because you take stands, maybe in college, you take some stands that your friends don't take? You ever feel the pressure of that? Let me tell you, that's only going to get worse. And you've got to learn to surf that tidal wave or you're going to get thrown over by that thing. You ever seen a a surfer get thrown over by these massive Hawaiian waves? They get slammed to the bottom and they get pinned because of the sheer force of the downforce of the water. If you don't learn how to navigate pressure for your faith, then you're going to get pressured into the anti-life just because you can't hold up under it. Parents... Let me ask you, do you feel the spiritual forces coming at your kids? Trying to convince them? Trying to pull them in? Do you feel the media that, I mean, the constant, constant, constant pressure. I tell my staff all the time, how do we change momentum? How do you change? My favorite, you've heard me say it a million times, my favorite leadership axiom in the world is how do you turn a battleship? The answer, constant pressure on a small rudder. Constant pressure on a rudder. How, that's exactly how society has moved in light speed every decade to where now... Much of the younger generations aren't even questioning things that even 10, 15 years ago were unthinkable. Why? Constant pressure, constant pressure, constant pressure. And so your children, your sons and your daughters are under a constant pressure to conform to the pattern of this world. Parents, if you want to win in that world, you better change your game. You better change the way you play. Don't expect it if you don't. Men, let me ask you, don't, don't raise your hand. First of all, every man in here would feel guilty because I, I, or be guilty. I've never met a man, including me, that could not answer this truthfully. The women turn your head. Do you find your eyes going places they shouldn't go? Some men struggle with it on a scale of 10, 2, or 3. Some, would, some struggle at a level 10. I've never met a man, ever, no matter, regardless how young he is, how old he is, married, not married, divorced, married again, I've never met any male that didn't have his head turned from time to time. You want to serve the Lord with a pure heart? Does that matter to you? should. I hope it does. Well, if that's the case, then we've got to, if we, listen, fellas, if we want to win in the physical, we got to do battle in the spiritual. We got to do battle in the spiritual. Because the enemy's coming at us for our minds. You think the enemy's just there to harass you, to have a little fun? If you haven't noticed yet, Christian friend, the devil plays for keeps. Look around. Look around. Look at your friends. Look at the marriages. Look at the people. Look at the people that you know. 
the devil plays for keeps. Women, do you ever feel like you just don't have what it takes? That if everybody really knew the true you ladies, that maybe if they really knew you, that they would know that you feel incredibly incompetent. That maybe you're just too skinny. Or maybe you're not skinny enough. Do you ever feel like your body is somehow holding you back? Do you feel like that on the job, do you ever feel like that you're an imposter? That if they, if they really knew the real you, the inside you would go, they're paying me for this, but I'm not smart enough. And if they only knew, they would never give me the job. I mean, a lot of women that tell me they struggle with competency in their minds. In fact, I would say I'm, I've met very few women that didn't. Well, listen, ladies, you can live in a mindset of victory. You can. You absolutely can. And the way that we're going to talk about how to do that in all of those different scenarios that I just painted for you, we're going to talk about why communication with God matters. We are called to pursue communication with the Lord. Now, why is that? Based on Matthew 6, 6, why is that? Well, I would say based on Matthew 6, 6, that when Jesus says, when you pray, I would say God calls me to be intentional with him. So let's start with there, that part, okay? God, God calls me to be intentional with him. Meaning that if you look at the life of Christ, Jesus had a consistent pattern of communication with God. He did. He had a consistent pattern of communication. God calls me to be intentional. And I want to say something to you. I'm not saying this to pour some heat on you. I'm just saying to you, because by the way, I've done this before. I've gone through seasons like this. So anything I'm saying to you, I haven't lived my own life in, in most cases, right? But let me tell you, if your prayer life consists of a few minutes as you drive up I-65 on the way to work in the mornings, don't expect much. I'm just telling you, don't expect much. That doesn't make you a bad person. It just means that, you know, you're throwing a few random thoughts at God on the way to work between coffee. Don't expect much. Now, by the way, I, when I was uh, younger in ministry, you know, in my, I remember in my 20s, I would read these stories about these great prophets of God. And how they would pray an hour or two hours a day. And I could never get through those stories without feeling like I was this tall. And I'm like, man, I, I just, I mean, I've tried. I have tried to spend, you know, longer amounts with God. And he gets mad and I get mad. And it, that was, you didn't catch that. But in, nonetheless, he, he just, give up, Jason, come back later, you know. But I, so I tell you what I did. I didn't quit. You know what I did years ago? I learned to pray throughout the day. I learned that when I am walking into a meeting, I learned that when I do have a conversation coming with one of my boys, I learned that when something is going in a place, it may not be bad, but I've got a decision to make as I go into this part of the day that I've learned to talk to God, even if it's, I've done this, I, I do this all the time. 
If I know I've got to go into a conversation or have a lunch where I know what the lunch might be about somebody struggling, I've caught myself many times just sitting in my vehicle going, God, whenever this thing comes about in this moment, I really do need you to give me the words that you want them to hear. I'm not the fixer, but I really do just give me, I, I tell God, I ask God all the time, give me eyes to see and ears to hear. Let me have spiritual eyes. Let me, let me, let me see through the words. Let me, hear, let me hear through the words. So I'll, I'll, that, listen, that's just, that may not take 72 seconds to, to, to pray that. But that's what it means to walk with God. See, Jesus walked with God. You're never going to, let me tell you, you guys, ladies, listen. You're, you're never, you're never going to experience the depths of God. If you treat God pretty much like you, 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 go back to your high school days for a minute. You know, remember when you walk by in the hall and you see a lot of different fans, hey, what's up? And you just, you just constantly saying hi, right? Right? Introverts nightmare, you know? You just wanted to go to class, you know? You just, we didn't have hoodies back then. Y'all can put your hoodies on now and just, you know. No, you, you're never going to experience the depths of God just passing by. So, so I want to say to you that, that when it comes to looking at Jesus' life, what did Jesus do? Well, I, I would say it this way, that Jesus prioritized communication with God because he desired communion with God. And that's the difference. It wasn't just praying. Jesus prioritized. It was the life Line. It was the oxygen line to his depleted body. Jesus desired, he, he desired communion with God. And so because he desired communion, he prioritized communication. And there's a difference. That's more than just opening Oswald Chambers, reading it in the morning, opening an email from the you know, 7,000 people that put out devotionals, which is great, by the way. Find one you like. Man, I, I've got a few. That's more than just reading something quick, moving on, getting people ready for school or going on to about your day. No, Jesus actually prioritized that because you know what Jesus wasn't doing? You ready? This is what Jesus wasn't doing. This is what Jesus was not doing. Jesus was not approaching prayer as if he were informing God of things he didn't know. You ever do that? Like, you know, do you think Jesus would, hey, uh, hey God, just so you know, like my left knee hurts. Got some arthritis going on, maybe. Or, hey, God, I just want you, I want you to be fully aware. I checked the bank statement online. Just saying. Right? No, hey, God, I've got these five things. And, I mean, you got you to do something. Jesus didn't approach communion with God like he was telling God stuff that God didn't know about. In fact, the saints of God that I talk to, and many of them are you that spend a lot of time with God, and the people that I know that really walk with Jesus, you know what I'm learning about them and what they're teaching me? Is that the older they get, the more they find themselves not saying anything when they pray. Because the presence of God is sometimes bigger than words. Jesus intentionalized communication because he wanted 
closeness. And so to do that, if you look at Matthew 6, 6, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door. In other words, don't, don't, You do understand that verse 6 is a contrast with verse 5. Because what was happening in verse 5, right? It was the Pharisees. Look at me when I pray. Their voice changed and all the stuff I said. You know, that's what they had long garments. They wore their hair a certain way. And Jesus said, hey, that is so far from what I'm after. But see, he said, when you pray, go where nobody is or get alone. Maybe you're in a crowded room and you can't get alone. Go in your mind to that place where you, it's just you and God. Because you see, the motive is different, and that's what I want to talk to you about. God calls me to approach him with the right motives. And I want to tell you, this is a big deal. God calls me to approach him with the right motives. Verse 6 is a contrast to verse 5. Verse 5, the motive was other people saying, wow, isn't Jason God's best friend? Versus verse 6 is, no, where'd Jason go? That's the difference. That's the difference. Because he... The person's pulling away because their motive is to actually hear from God. And I want to say to you, in fact, I would say go so far as to say the motive that God is looking for, are you listening to me? You want want God to respond to you? Then the issue, the issue is about alignment. Okay? And that's what was happening between verse 5 and verse 6. The issue was about the Pharisees. Listen, the Pharisees, they were, their intent was to make everybody think they are spiritually, spiritually elite. And so the, uh, the alignment issue, and I, I want to say something to you, man. Look, if you go back in the Old Testament, I do this often. I, I, you want something kind of cool to do? Go back in the Old Testament and just study the prayers. Go back and study Not just what they prayed, but how they prayed and why they prayed it. Because you've got to know the context of the situation. And so when you would look at the issues related to it, let me tell you what you're going to see in the Old Testament and in the New. When people prayed and God moved, they were bending their will to accommodate his will. And so that's why you hear Jesus right after this in the model prayer. He said, no, 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 no. When you pray, pray like this. Now, by the way, you know, notice one thing Jesus didn't say. He didn't say this is the prayer that you recite. In fact, it's really ironic to me that, you know, we always recite the Lord's Prayer right after the very verse Jesus said, now, when you pray, don't go into vain repetitions like the hypocrites do. (laughs) You ever find that funny? I mean, that's, that's pretty modern day Pharisee right there, you know, he just told you a model prayer. Don't do it in vain repetition. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be the name. But notice what he said. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That was an alignment prayer. That, that our hearts are aligned. Go back and read Nehemiah. Go back and read the prayers of the prophets, they were aligning their hearts to God. So I would say it to you this way, friend. If your prayers often feel like that Mickey Mouse balloon in the air, if you're not hearing from God, check your alignment. 
I mean it. I want you to soak on that for just a second. Because when your desires are aligned with his desires, God moves. When your desires are aligned with his desires, God moves. That's why God is not interested in just you rattling off 87 different prayer requests. Have you ever noticed how often, do this sometime, audit how you pray, listen to how you pray, and you would be stunned, as I have been with my own prayer life at times, about how often you're saying to God, basically, I'm going to do this, now I just need you to bless it. Seriously. God, bless my home. Well, wait a minute. How are you structuring your home? God, bless my marriage. God, I, I, God bless, bless these offerings, even though I didn't give any. God, bless our work. Why? You just cheated 87 people in that last negotiation. And you knew the company wasn't aligned with that, and you said nothing. So you asked God, you want God to like, put some kind of secret mojo on that? He's not. But listen to how often we pray. We're just asking, we're basically saying to God, hey, I'm going this direction. Sure would be nice if you would hop on board, Lord. That train's never leaving the station, folks. I'm not being ugly. I'm just telling you, when Jesus prayed, he prioritized communication because what he wanted was communion. And when your heart is aligned with God's heart, God moves. When your heart is aligned, when you say, hey, God, I here's the different way to pray. I really don't care how this thing turns out. I'm going to do whatever you tell me. I am. I'm going to do whatever you tell me. I don't care how it turns out. It's the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego approach to life. Hey, king, throw us in the fire. Don't throw us in the fire. Doesn't matter to me. God pulls me out of the fire. Awesome. I'm not sanctified or French fried, you know, that day. God doesn't pull me out of the fire. Either way, king, I'm not backing up. See, that's an aligned heart. That's an aligned heart. When Daniel said, you think there was, you know, we read the story. You think there wasn't a moment when they opened that door to that den and Daniel didn't go, wow, that's a big cat. Who hasn't eaten in days. And he says, bow to the king or walk in there. Fellas, it's been nice to know y'all. See, he, we get the end of the story. Daniel had to sit with that beast going, whenever this thing decides to eat me, he will win. He will win. So Daniel wasn't concerned with the outcome. He said, I'm not backing up. He said, that's an aligned heart. That's an aligned heart. And when your heart is aligned with God's heart, God will move. Because you want his will more than you want yours. So let me tell you, if God isn't moving on your prayer life, then my question to you is, check your alignment. I'm serious. Be happy to check your alignment. 
Be happy to check your alignment. Oh, this is good. Maybe. So I would say to you, friend, ask yourself, you ever, you ever go to God about something consistently and not much is happening? You know what you can do? Back up and ask yourself a very simple question. I, I have to do it from time to time. I really do. Ask yourself a simple question. Why do I want that? Why do I want it? Or what am I afraid of? That's a good one. I have to ask myself that sometimes. You ever been all twisted up over something? Like really twisted up over something? And, and because you're twisted up, you're asking God to, to do this and to do this and to do this. I, I never forget, I had a friend one time, and they were, they were looking at, uh, looking at uh, adopting a, a child, and this lady's a, a good lady, man. She, she knows the Lord, and, and she was really upset with her husband, and I, and I said, well, because he, he wasn't ready to adopt, and, 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 and I said, tell me how, how you're praying about it, and, and she said, well, I'm praying God change his heart. I said, God's never going to answer that. She said, why? I said, I mean, I, I'm just, you, you came to me, and let me tell you, it's not that God won't change his heart, but basically listen to what you're saying. What you're saying is when I'm on God's side, and so when you become on my side, then you'll be on God's side, and then we'll get this baby. And you're blocking my dream of having a baby? You're blocking my dream. Ah, now it becomes a little more clear. See, the, the desire of her heart was a good one. It was, she's a good person, not a bad person. She just wanted this kid. That's not bad. But her husband wasn't ready. I said, why don't you ask God why you want this baby? Because sometimes it can just be to have this wonderful life that you thought, if I could only blank, then it would all be better. If I could only blank, it would all be better. If I could, I can't have kids right now. If I could only have kids, it would all be better. I've got two of them. It won't. All right? They're wonderful. But it won't all be better. It's awesome. I can't imagine never, I, I, don't, I, I can't imagine not having my boys. But I'm telling you, there's days that you're just going, you know what? You're not going to make it to 18 to move out. It's happening right now. You're seven. You know? When you, you can't, fill, don't fill in the blank. Because her problem was, her motive was, I just, I see this kid. You ever, you ever been to an orphanage? I've been to many of them in former Soviet countries. Don't take your wallet. No, I mean it. You will spend everything. Thing you have just to make it a little better. You will. No, your, your heart has to be aligned. And when your heart is aligned, that's when God moves. So if God isn't answering your prayer, back up and check your alignment. Ask yourself what you're afraid of. And I will tell you this, when your desires are aligned with his desires, 
he will move. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't need to go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter. But sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world is sending them the Word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.